Hello, everyone. This is Dan Crawford, the editor of Hammy End. Um, and I need to begin with an apology because we haven't been recording the Green Pile podcast for a long, long time due to a variety of reasons, one of them being my health, one of them being the availability of other guests, and in an extremely downcast moment, one of them being me destroying one of the devices upon which we recorded this uh, show after a Fulham defeat where I couldn't contain my anger anymore. Um, So I'm very grateful to everyone for being patient. Um, And I'm delighted to be joined by the Druitt family, pretty much. Alan Druitt Jr. is, I believe he's here. Alan, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Dan. Uh, How are you? It's been a while. I mean, I'm never going to be better than I am now. In fact, the last time I was this excited to record a podcast, I lasted about 10 seconds because we beat that team who shall not be mentioned. And then I got cut off by you, I think. But anyway. You're never going to drop that, are you? No, no, no. Uh, It's the answer. If you Uh, pay your broadband, then we don't have to worry, do we? Well, I mean, also... (laughs) (laughs) Let's have a look at the clock. It took him less than a minute to... Pile into me like Xiao Polina. Uh, <laughs> Alan Druitt Jr. is not the only Druitt on the call because we're also joined by Freddie Druitt. Freddie, how are you, my friend? Good. You're very good. Excellent. Right. So there's absolutely no way we can cover everything that we've missed. And I apologise uh, for that. Um, but while we've been away, breaking news, Fulham can score goals. Alan, we've scored 10 goals in five days, which means that in five days we've scored more goals than Scott Parker's Fulham team managed in an entire home league season. And one question which I can't answer: How did how how has this been happening? And what uh, I wonder. I want to see the revealings of the drug tests. Steady on, because steady on. Anna, uh, <laughs> can we just can we just be clear to the Premier League? and everybody else, that Alan has a slightly high sense of humour. And I'd just like to make clear that the drug tests were carried out, both at Monster Park and at Craven. Hopefully the lawyers will allow us to keep recording. (laughs) Do you know what, Dan? I can't explain it. We were on here for months at the start of the season going, we don't look like scoring. Are we ever going to score? We never like scoring one in one, and then all of a sudden we score sixteen goals in four games, um, and we we look so much better. And I think the addition of Kearney is probably the reason behind it, the main reason anyway. It allows it will be the chance to express himself more on the wing. Um, I weren't his biggest fan at the start. I'm going to be honest, but the last four well, games, Kearney's biggest fan at the start. No, it won't be. Sorry, it won't be. Apologies, um, but uh, otherwise I would have cut you off. <laughs> no, Kenny's Kenny's phenomenal. Um, it's just a shame his knees are a bit a bit dodgy at times, and he can't play ninety minutes consecutively. But he just died. Yeah. Well, this is it. He's surprising a few people, even me, probably himself as well. But yeah, we just look like a totally different team with him in the squad. Um. Also, the Wolves fans have a chant, see, senor, give Raul the ball and he will score. And 
well, it took a little while, but he don't half look uh, pretty good at the moment, does he? He looks fantastic. And it's nice to see him score. It's nice to see him with his playing with confidence. And five and a half million is looking like a steal at the minute, isn't it? Well, there's a few of them. It looks like daylight robbery. Um, Freddie, what did you think... Did you think West Ham and Nottingham Forest were any good? Because their fans were singing about them being champions of Europe. I mean, did you did it? How much of this is Fulham being really good, and how much of it is the opposition? And we can't swear on this podcast. Um, not being very good. I mean, what 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 would you say? Like, how how much of it is Fulham being good, and the teams we've just played, like not being on on it on their day? What do you think? Uh, the teams were decent, but it wasn't like that good. So if, I mean, if, if, if your if school he... team could have beaten Nottingham Forest and and West Ham, you know, even on in the <laughs> playground at break time, wouldn't you have fancied beating them? Because there weren't much defending going on, was there? <laughs> would your Would your year four team beat Forest and West Ham? Um, probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and which school does are we allowed to say? I mean, he does go to school in the local neck of the woods, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, localish. Yeah, so I'm um, saying, like, you know, what position does Freddie play? He plays uh in midfield. He does the Paulinho role. <laughs> I was going to say that was putting <laughs> way up there. I was going to say the Druid family. You've got to be getting his foot in there. Um, no doubt. Love the tap. <laughs> And let's let's start there because my favourite moment of this match was when because we've had a moan about referees, haven't we, on this podcast? And um, rightfully so. <laughs> I mean, I think we have to have a whole other podcast related to that. But the referee on Sunday, he, he seemed to want to let everything go, and there was a brilliant. I mean, that nothing encapsulates this better than the goal, the first goal, because you're on this side, you're in the Johnny Haynes, lads. You see Jedi, Anthony Robinson, who's been phenomenal, by the way, what's happened to him, um, get absolutely clattered by Sufal, and the referee mm. plays on, and Jedi takes about 90 seconds to get up on his feet, and then Palinia crunches into two tackles, the first of which, by the way, Jonathan Pierce on Match of the Day 2 said, that has to be a foul. I was convinced that he hadn't noticed that Robinson had been karate kicked, but we ended up scoring a goal. Isn't And, and Polina puts a wonderful ball in to show that he's not just the Lisbon's answer to Terry Herlock, but he can actually... Knock it in there, and I, I see Bayern Munich and all these other teams looking at João Polina. Well, he's just put another fifteen million pound on the price tag, and he. What do you think of that first goal, Al? It was brilliant. Wasn't it, it was fun. It was fantastic, and it all started from the uh, the double challenge by Paulinia. And for me, that pass, the assist from Paulinia is one of the best assists I've seen this season. That because he, he he doesn't cross it; it's as if he knuckleballs it into the box at pace. What does that mean? He, he just, I don't know, the ball, it wasn't like a typical cross, you see. It wasn't It wasn't as if he blasted it either. It was just the technique it. on the ball was, yeah, it was It was a thing of beauty. And everything he touches just turns to gold. 
And Jimenez won't score an easier goal all season. Oh, Because oh. all he had to do was get his head to it. Hang on a minute. That's a great header by Jimenez. No, he, he just stood there. No. Nah. Paulinho <laughs> made that, honestly, him, there's no way Jimenez would have missed that. All he had to do was get the slightest bit of contact. It was a great header. But... He burns it. It's a great header. Not a simple No, but the power was on the pass. Yeah. Paulinho. Get up and direct it. In, yeah, but <laughs> did he jump? I don't remember it. No, he doesn't oh. jump. <laughs> it just it just hits him. It, it, it was a brilliant goal all around. Um, yeah. But it was started by Paulinho. I mean, finished by Jimenez. Say, if anyone who has like better, you know actual recollections of what happens would like to f- fill in on this podcast, no. do send your your <laughs> uh, interest into info at hamien.com because I'm looking for <laughs> placements for this bloke who clearly doesn't know what he's watching. No, it was it was a good header. You know, Thank but you. he only had to get contact on the ball for it to go in. And it there are that many good of a pass. And get yourself a midfielder who can do both. Right, who can absolutely crunch into a double tackle, run with the ball, and then slow the play down because uh, CC was involved in that. And if you'd have told yeah. someone's going to whip a ball in from the left flank, I'd have said, oh, that's got T's name written all over it. But how much should we be asking for? Because, you know, Bayern Munich want a discount. And apparently Arsenal and Liverpool are sniffing around. Well, Arsenal paid 100 million for Declan Rice. I mean, start the bidding at 400 million, lads. Nah, he's different class, Paulinho. He's, he's, yeah. He is. He's just phenomenal. Everything, as I said, everything he touches just turns to gold. Uh, he can tackle, we can pass. Shooting could could improve a little bit if we're, if we're being slightly... Steady critical, on a minute, but... mate. He's got a goal in the <laughs> Forest and Brighton. And Liverpool. <laughs> no, this is the thing. His shooting is on par with most other midfielders in the Premier League. Um, I'm just trying to make him seem human, which is impossible at times. See, what we but... should be playing is, I mean, he's absolutely terrible, lads, and it was all down to West Ham yeah. and OP. You know, like, most of the time, he's absolutely useless. Um, the thing is, if Paulinho was called Paul and he was English, he'd be worth 150 million. Basically, but what he's saying is, like they had Scott. Park, he's like the Portuguese version of Scott Parker. No, like, absolutely well, not. <laughs> the, don't ever put Parker and Paulinho in the same sentence ever again, please. But I'm saying, don't. doesn't that tell you how overrated English players are? Because Scott Parker won loads of England caps, and the England captain won. Player of the Premier League, player footballers, football writers, player of the year when his team got almost relegated, and he gets venerated and all, all of this kind of stuff. And I wonder what he'd have been worth in the transfer market. And but to, uh, the answer to your question for me, Paulini is worth ninety million. Ninety? Have you missed a zero off? Have you been? Have you, have you <laughs> genuinely been drinking before this? Podcast? It's his age as well. Freddie, Freddie. Can you just, next time before we do this podcast, can you just keep Alan away from um, sharp objects or, you know, alcohol of any kind, please? Thank you. Uh, Right, we've got a lot of goals to talk about, lads. So then there was a second goal where, well, your man Awobi, he had a shot. Fabianski went down in instalments. He did push it away. Andreas Pereira puts it across the box. 
I won't be misses it, although I saw the Fulham Twitter commentary <laughs> and dummied it. <laughs> and it came to William who showed him how to finish. I mean, if it was Fulham, you'd say that's a typical Fulham defensive error. Um, but let's just talk about William for a second, Al. I heard um, Tony Gale describe him as the king of the left wing. He's he's phenomenal. He's he's like a fine wine, isn't he? He just improves with age, and he doesn't play like a thirty-five-year-old. It's something about Brazilians; they just never seem to age. Um, and he he just keeps getting better. He's got what's it five or more five more goals and assists than any other uh, player in the in the team. And he's so vital to the way we play. It's, it's important. It was important that we kept him in the summer. He was linked with Forrest. He was linked with Saudi. But we kept him and we are reaping the rewards now. I thought he started off the season a bit slow. He wasn't his usual self. But well, that could be, be a number. Fair, we all, we were, everyone started a bit slow, didn't we? Yeah, apart from Paulinia. <laughs> um, well, he weren't there for the first couple of games, was he? Because he, he, he took his heavy tackling to America and decided he was going to try two-footing some players from Hounslow. I mean, I approve of it, but it wasn't ideal, was it? No. <laughs> Freddie, William, what have you made of him so far? Um, for his age, good. For his age? <laughs> <laughs> Um, like he's class, though, isn't he? Yeah, he's skillful. He's very. He's skillful. like a name. He's like a Neymar, but better. He's better than Neymar, I think. I, I'd agree with it. I'd agree yeah, with well, that. Certainly, at the moment, Neymar's just sitting there watching videos. So yeah, yeah. Neymar's the most overrated Brazilian that ever graced the planet. In my opinion. Well, I mean, blimey, we're really uh, going for it tonight. <laughs> Um, no, yeah. Then there was a third goal. I'll tell you, the third goal, uh, tossing Adarabaya, or as we have to say now, his magic, you know, tossing Adarabaya. He scores a great header. Uh, and that's his first goal since he, he produced a header and mimicked Dominic Solanke's celebration at the Hammersmith End. This one was at the party end. It's a great header and a great corner. Um, but again, some of the offending leaves a bit to be desired. But talk to me about um, uh, Tosin and uh, and Calvin Bassey. That could be a lot. If if Tosin pulls his finger out and signs the contract, we you know we're we're not looking too bad at centre back all of a sudden, are we? Al? No. And beginning of last season when Issa Diop came in, we all thought the the partnership would be Diop and, and Tossin moving forward. But then Ream being Ream produced a, another quality season. But seeing Ream this season, he's definitely that tad off the pace. He looks a bit... He's showing his age. It's probably the best way to put it. Um, Tossin... Yeah, and, Tim, um, sorry, mate, if you're listening. Yeah, sorry, Tim. We love you, but we have to be honest with ourselves. And I just feel Tossin and Shirley at the back... They're just uncool and surely he doesn't like it. Does he not? No. Well, I've not spoken to him yet, so I'm sorry, Calvin, but you know. <laughs> they just look like they played I, I think there are several bookable offences in this in Alan's return to podcasting already. So it's been uh, a while, might be getting close to a Jao Pelinia style suspension. <laughs> <laughs> 
We haven't talked about the goal. Freddie, you'd have had a good view of that header from Tossin. It's exactly what you want from a corner, isn't it? Get your head on it. Well, it's kind of the first time he's scored a header. He's that tall. Mm. Every time he gets to the end of it, he's, he normally, he's normally straight at the goalkeeper, or he's missed. <laughs> That's yeah. quite a good point. And, it, was, and it wasn't really, to be honest, it wasn't really his goal. It wasn't what? his goal. Yeah, would it have, that's a good question, actually. Dan, would it have gone in if Sufal never had headed it into the top corner? Why? Who's getting there? No, because um, Fabianski was right behind it, no? Well, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think Fabianski was right behind anything. Uh, no, fair um, But <laughs> I, I, think, I think the rule, not that I know these things, but the rule in terms of crediting goals is if it's on, if it's target, on target, it becomes yeah. yours. Um, yeah. Which... You know, but uh, to Freddie's point, I have thought for a while, like, our big, strong centre-backs don't score many headed goals, do they? No. We had the same issue with Hangerland. He never scored enough goals for the man at the height he was. Oh, attack for the memories, brother, but apparently he didn't score enough goals. Right. I'm no. not having that. So I, I have recollection of Breda Hangland scoring some big goals against Roma, against Manchester United, at Birmingham City. So he scored 12 goals in 270 appearances for Fulham, including in one in that 2010-2011 season, seven. But with the to your point, there was a season where between them, Chris Coleman, Kit Simons, and Simon Morgan scored seventeen goals in that Keegan promotion season. You're right. And Philip Albert, wasn't it? Oh, did Philip Philip Albert? I don't think he scored a header. I think he scored a shot. Philip Albert only scored. Oh, I'll, I'll have to check this. We'll have but, to check this. But Philip broke Albert a record that season, though. Eh? We definitely broke a record of how many goals scored by defenders. In that um, Kevin Keegan season, yeah, because also you could also classify Stevie Finn and well, Rufus didn't score any goals, God bless him. But uh, Stevie Finn would have been classified as a defender, even though he came to us as a winger. Um, I think Alan Nielsen would have got some goals in that season as well, because that was also the year we went to um, and Morgan obviously famously scored at uh, Aston Villa. Villa Park. Anyway, we're getting. Uh, a little sidetracked here because then we come on to something I want to talk about, which is William goes off injured because he gets clattered and you're thinking, okay, that's a bit of a shame. How good has Harry Wilson been recently? Uh, Al? Like, he's... Go on. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Wilson. Uh, I actually quite like seeing him come off the bench because he, he gives us something different. He's not as one one dimensional as as people make out. He is, so he can go both ways. Um, he was frightening for forty five minutes on the pitch, and me and Freddie was at Liverpool last week, and even then he just he didn't look out of place. He's he's still young in footballing terms, and I'd like to see him get a run in in the squad. How but, you mean in the team? This is it. Yeah, in the starting eleven. But the problem is, well, this is it. You you can't because William's undroppable. It won't be at the minute undroppable. It's good now that players, even like Pereira, who's coming back into strong form, the criticism he received at the start of the season for me was unwarranted. I didn't see it. 
And I'm glad now that he's starting to silence a few of his critics. But yeah, getting someone like Wilson off the bench and Bobby Reed, uh, we do have you know a good de- squad depth now, and yeah, it long may it continue. I mean, imagine if Adama Traore could stay fit for five minutes. Um, I know. I don't know what's happening. Perhaps they need to change that baby oil to WD forty. Something's not right there, Dan. Mark Maunders, <laughs> get on it, son. Um, Freddie, well, how good was the goal from Harry Wilson? Did you like it? Um, one of the best goals I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, you do want to score them, so we don't score that many of them. But it was <laughs> well, well, um, a few of the Liverpool's were better, but. Um, that was probably one of the best goals I've seen from them score. It's from yeah, the same place as Tom Kearney scored against Leeds as well. Yeah, this this one just had a bit more whip, a bit more pace to it though, didn't it? Well, it was almost like he'd been watching William do that and he was like, I'm going to show you. <laughs> I can do that yeah. too. And it had a lovely curl on it, didn't it? It was in because it... I'm right behind that. That's where I sit. And I just, I didn't bother. I, I just put my arms up because I knew that was going in. There was no way Fabianski was getting to that one. Um, no, we 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 were right behind it as well from the Johnny Haynes stand. Yeah, from so the angle that you saw. Yeah, yeah, you just knew it was going one place. And when it went in, you were just like, "Wow!" In disbelief. So he's I've got it in his locker. He's got a lot in his locker, and I, I would like to see more of him, just like you. Um, but he probably should have had two. He could have had a hat trick, actually, because what can we just talk for a second about how he absolutely embarrassed Kurt Zuma? Oh, mate. <laughs> yeah, he had him run, dancing around circles. Well, he moved like a cat. He did, didn't he? <laughs> he moved like a cat. I was going to say, yeah, Kurt Zuma only attacks cats, so it's a bit unfair <laughs> for him to play against humans. Yeah. <laughs> And he was the one who let Tosin have an absolutely free run at the back post. Um, yeah. The other but thing if... about this goal that no one's really talking about is the peach of a ball from Tom Kearney. Kearney, yeah. He had that five-minute period, didn't he, when he was just in the middle of the pitch, got the ball, passed it to Robertson, got it back, passed it to Tosin, got it back. And he was just he was running the game by himself. Um, and then he plays that peach of a ball straight to Wilson's feet. And you just think... Unbelievable player. We've been so lucky to have him for as long as we have. And honestly, where does he want his statue? Because if there's one player in that team that deserves it, it's him. Oh, well, I think there'll be a few statues out of this squad eventually. I'd, I'd argue that actually to, to Tim Ream, the aforementioned Tim Ream, yeah. will be worthy of some recognition at the end of his career. And I wouldn't write off Tim Ream at this point. But let's, let's since we, you brought up Tom Kearney, I mean, so we signed him from... Blackburn Rovers for three million pounds. Yeah, in June twenty fourteen, and he had to sorry June twenty fifteen, and he had to uh, fit in initially. He was being played on the right wing um, to fit into the new system, um, and, and just a number of memorable moments: three promotions, the first Fulham captain to win at Wembley. I mean, can you just tell listeners again the story of when you got uh, 
TC to sign Freddie's uh, playoff final. <laughs> Would you mind doing that again? Because uh, we picked up some listeners, unbelievably, since we started this podcast. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. Hard... <laughs> I don't know. I think drug tests are required for the audience. <laughs> Go on. T- tell, tell, tell everybody about that. Go on, Al. So it was uh, Christmas at the Cottage. Uh, I think it was the, the season under Slav. Uh, I took me, the family down, and we met Tom Kearney. Uh, it was inside the uh, the stadium store. And I said, um, sorry, Tom, can you uh, sign the programme for me, please? He's like, yeah, um, where do you want me to sign it? I said, sign it wherever you want, mate. And he went, right, I'm going to sign it right on John Terry's face. And he, he put his signature on the front of the programme over Tom Kearney's face. Give me the pen John back. Terry's face. Over John Terry's face, sorry, yeah. And mm. he went, There's the pen. Uh enjoy your retirement. Have that. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah, Tom Kearney's brilliant. He's a character and yeah. I, I just I just love him. And he's got a great left foot, we've always known that. So obviously he's on the end of that lovely um through ball from Ryan Sessignon. At Wembley, which we all know, all of those things about, you know, he had to play through the pain of an injury. And then when we got promoted, obviously, you mentioned Slav. We then had a couple of managers who I won't even waste time speaking about who didn't think that TC was worthy of a place in the team. And it's taken until this season for a manager to set the side up and for Kearney to come in consistently and play regularly in the team. And Kenny and Polina give us something real balance in the midfield. I don't think it'll work against every opposition. But no. um, the fact that he's only got two international caps seems like a misprint. Yeah, and I think you've made a good point there, Dan. Uh, the likes of Forrest and West Ham's ideal to play Kenny. But when you're going away to even Saturday, for example, against Newcastle or... You're playing somewhere you're not going to have much of the ball. Kenny's going to be like a passenger. And to get the the best out of him, we need to have more of the ball. And that's where you sort of say, right, you can sit this one out and then play Reed, or you can play Lukic. Um, but yeah, teams where we should be winning, not maybe should be winning, but where we're going to have more of the ball, we've got more chance of winning. He has to play for me. I, I, I see it slightly differently. I think Kenny gives you more possession. And the other thing is, Polina has unleashed the beast in Kearney because he can tackle as well. There was a tackle against yeah. that led to a penalty. <laughs> and there was one on Saturday where he's just like, no, I'm not having you winning that ball. And he went in. And he's like a, he's like a 20-year-old again because there are other people doing the running. Yeah. Um, and I just think he's class. And if he can play, why not? Suddenly we look like we've got really good options. The only other thing I'd say is we've slightly changed it to a classical 4-3-3 because Pereira drops a little deeper of late for the last two games, certainly. He's not playing as that number 10. He's dropping in. Yeah. And Jimenez's link-up play, I mean, you see the confidence um, that he has now to score goals. Uh, and let's just finish with the, the final goal then because well, there are too many goals. We've only got about five minutes left. Um the final goal, lovely ball from Harrison Reed, by the way, uh, Ginger Iniesta himself, and Harry Wilson lays it on a plate for uh, Carlos, 
who takes a moment away from arguing with opposition centre halves and referees and <laughs> puts it in the goal. <laughs> Did that? Yeah, a great team goal. Uh, very unselfish from Wilson. Uh, it's good for Vinicius to come off the bench, grab a goal, keeps his confidence high. Um, and if Wilson had scored another one of his earlier chances, here's a question, Dan. Does he pass that <laughs> or does he get his hat-trick? Oh, I think, uh, oh, I don't know. I mean, you'd have to ask Harry. I mean, Harry's always been unselfish, to be fair. He could score a lot more goals. Um, yeah. And uh, I've seen a lot of Harry through family connections playing for Wales and uh I, I feel like he's a really special footballer, um, and he's not. It's not just in the championship. As has been unfairly said. Right, I want to just run through a couple of stats because uh, people seem to like stats. Um, so Raul's goal, the first yesterday, was the two hundredth scored under Marco Silva in all competitions. Uh, that excludes penalties scored in penalty shootouts. Um, we have to add that in because apparently we're good at penalty shootouts now. Uh, that goal was also the 100th home league goal scored under Silva. We've now managed 104 in 50 games. Uh, and there are only four teams who've made, who scored 100 goals in English football since Marco Silva took over. And as we mentioned, um, he's now, you know, those, those uh, 10 goals in five days are extraordinary. Sunday was also Silva's 100th league game in charge of Fulham. His 50th home league game in charge of Fulham. I like this one. Under Silver, we have won games 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, 5-0. Not 6-0, but 7-0. Um, so, yes. And there's also one more about scoring more than uh, scoring more than three goals in successive uh, Premier League matches. And Al, just talk to me about Marco Silva being a genius while I find that stat. Uh, that man, you know, I've, I'm 32, nearly 33 now, and I've been going to the age of three. Now, we've had some great managers in my time, Mickey Adams, uh, Tagana, Keegan, Hodgson, I'd even say Coleman did a very good job for us. You know, Hodgson, Kanovich. Kanovich, yeah, I was coming to him. Okay. Um, but, but for me, there's something special about Silva. I just feel we have another couple of gears to go if he's given the back in which the fans want, which he wants. And there's no reason why we can't emulate what Brighton did last season. There's no reason why we can't even emulate what Villa are doing. Support yeah. Silva, back him, give him whatever he wants. Because before we actually recorded this podcast, me and me and Freddie were just going through Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it now. And there was a, a three-minute montage of Paulinia uh, f- from the beginning of the season. And you just think, if he can bring in the calibre of players like him, what more What more can he do? I'm, I'm excited to see Silva, given the financial support, which we can give. It's just whether the Khans are confident enough to be able to spend that money, knowing there's going to be a return on it. Um oh. They should because we're paying enough money in our uh, season ticket prices and match day prices to make it to make it viable for them. Um, <laughs> this is uh, it. But no, Silver's brilliant. Get that one in there now that I'm uh, not on the board of a certain supporters organisation. Um, 
And if I can finish with this stat then, Fulham have scored at least three goals in four successive top-flight league games for just the third time in the club's history, having previously done so in October 1959. Um, and that was... Let's find it. Yeah, that was a 3-2 win at Middlesbrough and then a 4-2 win at Sheffield at home to Sheffield United. Um, and also in October 1961, both of those, though, uh, under Bedford Jezzard in seasons where Fulham survived remarkably in the top flight. And we're now in the top half. Um, extraordinarily, we've wiped out all of our negative goal difference and we go to Newcastle on Saturday. Now, we would like to get back to doing uh, podcasting. I do need to give a shout out to a couple of the other uh, Fulham sides. The Fulham under-21s have been going great guns. Um, they're going really well in the league and they're through to the... Uh, almost through to the knockout phase of the Premier League Cup. They drew 1-1 with a team from Hounslow on Friday night at Motspur Park. And we also need to say well done to Fulham FC women who are now top of the league, having won 3-2 at Ebbsfleet. Uh, on Sunday in their last game of the calendar year. Uh, two goals from Sasha uh, Adamson and one from Georgia Heesman mean that Fulham will go into Christmas top of the table. And I know many of us were at the uh, game uh, last month, uh, the Capital Cup contest where Fulham beat Arsenal on a penalty shootout and they're into the next round of that one as well. So uh, well done to all the Fulham teams. Uh, we should apologise for being absent uh, from your airwaves. We have some more episodes to come and we will be back to preview the trip to St. James's Park. And we couldn't do it again. Could we, Alan? Yes. Blimey. <laughs> I mean, I just to be clear, I didn't think we it's going to be Newcastle nil, Fulham 5. Um but we might, you know, there might be a bit of optimism about playing Newcastle. Right. They, they, they're without Trippy, eh? They've got no... Uh, yeah, unfortunately, he, he's there, been eh? not tending to his defensive duties. So, I would have fancied it more with him in the team. They do have a, one hell of an injury crisis. Um, but I don't feel too sorry for the Saudi sports washers, I'm afraid. Nor me. And that's where we'll leave it. Alan Druitt, thank you very much for putting up with me for half an hour. Thank you, Dan. As unbearable as it was, it's always good to speak to you. There's a compliment in there somewhere. Freddie, <laughs> uh, thank you very much, my friend. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and come on, you whites. <laughs>